So how can we create such rich belonging that there's room to challenge each other without fearing that we're going to be kicked out of the group? Like that's, I think, the best relationships I have where it's like our relationship is too strong for the truth to challenge it. So the truth is not unsafe. Welcome to the Wider Roots Podcast, a show about how we can use the power of coaching and personal transformation to help create the world we most want to live in. I'm your host, Jeremy Blanchard, and today's episode is with my friend and collaborator, Mazen Jamal. He's the co-founder of Holistic Underground, which does many things, including consulting with organizations around justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. He's also a community builder, a musician, and a coach. And I loved this conversation with Mazen because we got to talk about what do we do as coaches and facilitators to stay grounded ourselves when we're in conversations about race and equity, when things start to get really heated. And we also talked about the important role that coaches play in helping people find their unique role in movement work and social change work. If you want more resources about personal and systemic transformation, you can head over to widerroots.com to join our newsletter. All right, let's dive in. Hey, Mazen, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here. Thanks yeah. for having me. Can you introduce yourself for folks listening? Yeah. Hey, everyone. My name is Mazen Jamad. Really excited to be here speaking to you all through the interwebs. Um, like many of the people I'm sure will be on this podcast, I got a lot of hyphens, but uh, I really see myself as someone who is here to support people who are creating change, people who are innovating around spirituality, social change, culture, community, art, to do what they're doing in a way that's sustainable, to be able to thrive in their health, to be able to prosper in their finances, and even their impact. So I do that in a couple of ways. I do that coaching, love coaching too. Um, and it's also evolved that I'm bringing that coaching mindset to uh, an organization, well, a few, so I have a fiscal sponsorship business where, you know, it's a nonprofit that helps other nonprofits do their thing and we handle the back end. Um, I work a lot with change makers, spiritual innovators of color, particularly um, activists kind of around the world, coaching, consulting, tactical support. And I've done a lot of consulting too, doing a little less of that now, but around justice, equity, uh, diversity and inclusion, culture. And I'm a musician. So those are kind of the main, main hats, you know. The joy you say, uh, and I'm a musician with. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of joy. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we've gotten to uh, be on this journey together for a long time now. Many, many years. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Eight, nine years maybe. And, uh, you know, we've had many different. Yeah ways that we've gotten to uh, support one another. You know, I was was mm -hmm. your trainer and mentor, and then you were my trainer and mentor. And we've been, <laughs> you know, colleagues, co-conspirators, so many different roles we've yeah. gotten to play. Um, yeah, yeah. J Jeremy changed my life. Let me just put it very simply. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I changed your life too, but you, you changed my you life did. first. You did, you did. Uh, I want to I just share, like, um, I was like, oh, I want to become a coach and a coach training or whatever. And I was like $300 short. It was so, like... I just couldn't afford the training. You're like, all right, I'm sending you $300 right now. What's your PayPal? Like you were just like, you are taking this 
this training, like you, you know, I just, you believed him. And then you like basically gave me like three months of free coaching with that crowdfund. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just want to, I testify <laughs> this man, <laughs> he's helping us. Oh. Um, and I've sent many of my friends, partners to you, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it's been a, it's been mm-hmm. a joy. And uh, thank you too, because this podcast wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. Uh, it was uh, a year and a half ago, we were on the phone and uh, I was talking about how I wanted to explore these topics at the intersection of coaching, uh, personal transformation, systemic transformation. And uh, you were like, why don't you start a podcast? So a year and a half later, here we are. <laughs> so yeah. thank you for that. I'm glad to be here, man. This is this is an honor. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's get into it. I'm curious about your approach to Jedi stuff, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, your coaching, your consulting in that regard. Um, one of the reasons I was so grateful to get to learn from you for that year-long program that I did of yours is the way that you bring together a truth-telling around these topics and an inviting space. And I have a bunch of questions related to that, but one is just, what's like the origin story there? Like what in your experience in life has helped shape Mm -hmm. that approach being available, prominent Mm -hmm. for you? Yeah. My mentor, Tony Moss, put it in a certain way that's really... Um, held true for me, which is, uh, it's really all about consciousness evolution, which sounds super out there. But what it really means is, as humans, we are so creative, we have all this technology, we have all these solutions and systems and all these different ways that we can do things. We've got all these environmental solutions. Some, there's like 50 million books, like if we just followed the book, we could fix the economy, right? We We have all the ideas. But we more or less like can't get along for a long enough period of time and cooperate effectively to make things happen. That's a big part of it. And there are also people who are really stuck and are working really hard and very effectively and cooperatively towards keeping things the same or moving things in a direction that, you know, to them, they probably think it's for the best, but we're all like, nah, that's not, (laughs) that's not the only way. And, you know, there, we can get into that later. So, A big part of my inspiration in everything I do is I did a lot of study in in university around um, different social movements. So I studied the Occupy movement, I studied the Arab Spring, the Civil Rights Movement, and all the different branches of the 60s and 70s movements. I got to study under people who were doing that. I got to have conversations with Elaine Brown and uh, Bobby Seale, former, you know, chairmen of the Black Panther Party. I got to talk to all these OGs, you know, and... um, was also and have been a part of the revolution in Sudan. Um, you know, when I talk about Arab Spring studying, I mean, like I was talking to people who were like being tortured and like, you know, because because um, I had friends and connections in Egypt where I'm going tomorrow. Another story. But um, all that study. Right. And I'm an activist at this time and I am so passionate. Right. But I, I knew something was off. And it, it really dawned on me when I discovered holistic health. And at SF State, there's this holistic health department and it's like, you walk in and it's just like tea, free tea. And there's like all these different books everywhere and like musical instruments on the walls, like kind of like what my life is now. Right? I was just like, what is going on? 
And uh, in that, I got to learn about traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda and meditation and indigenous like Native American uh, philosophies and all these different perspectives. Uh, so I was just like, okay, we're out here burning out. And then before it was called cancel culture, just canceling each other. And like, we're talking about creating this better healing, loving world, but like, we are not able to, we don't have the tools and the skills and the capacity a lot of the time to embody that. And um, over here, there's this like whole world of healing happening, but it's like mostly white people or it's like super ungrounded in like social change and, and these it's kind of spiritual bypass. And meanwhile, I'm an artist, you know, and I'm in all these bands and it's kind of the same thing as activist spaces where it's like a lot of substances, a lot of like staying up late and going hard, not really taking care of yourself, you know, and um, all of that made me and a few of my friends feel like we need to bring these things together. We need to bridge the creative, the arts, the activism and social change and the healing and the mindfulness and the self-growth, self-development. So um, Holistic Underground was born and uh, has taken many twists and turns uh, since then. But really that common thread is how do we bridge these three kind of spaces of change? Because really those are the three places in my mind, you know, there's social change, which is focusing on the structure and the economics and the social stuff. There's the arts, which is really where cultural change comes from, right? And then healing and wellness and personal development and that's like where we work on ourselves and um, each of them has a part of the puzzle, but none of them alone. So holistic underground, we're holistic, bringing it all together underground, kind of like underground railroad, like, you know, moving from movement to movement, trying to like bring people over to the, to the next way of thinking about things. So that's kind of the origin story of that word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm curious to build on this. Um, when you're bringing that mix of levity and truth-telling to mm -hmm. DEI, mm -hmm. justice work. Um, mm -hmm. I'm curious if there's like a spiritual orientation or a mindset, something that you're grounding yourself in mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. allows you to hold both when you're coaching or when you're doing the other you know, training, consulting work. Um, yeah. I'm curious if you can share a bit more about that. Yeah. One of the things that blew my mind the most when I was first having my awakening, I had my political awakening young because both of my parents were activists. Hmm. I was studying Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine. And I was reading this book called Between Heaven and Earth. And it was these like two Americans who went there. There were some of the first people to study Chinese medicine in, in China. And they talked about the metaphor of um, healing as like a mechanic hmm. and healing as a gardener. And so the Western medicine approach is kind of like, all right, you know, you got the spinal column and the pelvic floor and the walls of the linings, you know, the intestines and all, everything's like a structure. It's like a building. And it's like, oh, your kidney is not working. Let's cut it out, put in a new one. Oh, like this appendix, you don't really need that. Just cut it out. Oh, like, oh, you're missing this thing. Let's just give you like a chemical like pill that's going to like replace that. It's very much like you're like a broken car. What can we replace what oils do we need to put inside, you know, and now you can keep you running. And also like you don't take your car into the mechanic until it's broken. And you don't go in to see the doctor until you have some kind of symptoms, until you're sick. So it's not really healthcare, it's like sick care. Whereas the gardener, you know, as a gardener, you're always looking at like, what can I do to help this garden flourish? 
You don't wait until the plant is dying to water it. You, you're just caring for it on a regular basis and you're, you're always supporting it to be more resilient. So I really realize how our movements have that same, you know, issue of viewing it as broken. What's broken? How do I fix it? You know, this very surgical kind of, you know, um, unnatural in that it is not reflecting nature and, um, yeah, kind of unkind, you know, it's like no body, no plant, no system wants to be treated like a machine because it's not. So when it comes to justice work, it's like, I'm, I'm very much like by any means necessary. And as far as I can tell, like the, the means that makes the most sense is love, like is, is compassion is like, that just works better. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's when people are in that intersection of speaking the truth to power, but also being grounded in love that they're the most dangerous to the system. And um, yeah, we're never going to out weapon the, the weapon people. We're never going to out hate the hate people. We're never going to out, you know, um, dehumanize the dehumanize, you know, th that's their expertise. It's like an old sink to their level and then get beaten by experience. So yeah, those are some of the big influences there. And it's just more fun for me. Like I can stay in it. You know, I have so many friends who are just like in that, like, yeah, energy and like they burn out and they're out and they're back and you know so yeah 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 so what i'm hearing in that is grounded in love right that there's there's love and liberation love and liberation love and liberation love that's the name liberation. of our party in the forest by the way i'll come through <laughs> um yeah that's right that's right so that's mm -hmm. how that's um part of what you're holding when you're in a moment where you're coaching somebody right and there's some like real talk that needs to be had there's this like love and liberation mm -hmm. being held side by side i'm exactly because it's like okay this person is like i love this person as a fellow human and they are suffering due to this untruth that they are holding as true for example this untruth called we can continue on uh not addressing this and everything is going to be fine or, you know, our ancestral, you know, trauma is not at play here. Or we, there's nothing to see here, nothing to look at. Just keep going business as usual. That, that's creating suffering for you. And it's, it's hindering your ability to be liberated both internally, personally, spiritually, right? Because the truth will set you free, right? But I, let me help you liberate. Like, you liberate yourself from this lie, you know, as, as, a, as someone who loves you, you know, as, as a beloved, you know, fellow human rather than there's something wrong with you you're broken and i need to fix you you know because we all know how people respond to that at least i know how i respond to that which is like back the f up you know yeah cool so to take that a little further there's the way i've seen you do that in groups too which i'm sure is coming from a very the same underlying orientation of love and liberation but i've seen you you know you facilitated groups that i've been a part of through looking at justice, looking mm -hmm. at equity, looking at diversity, looking at inclusion. Mm -hmm. And it's almost always the case that a group is going to be at varying different levels of development and understanding mm -hmm. and political analysis and internal work mm -hmm. that they've done to be available yeah. for a conversation like that. So there's yeah. there's always, you know, you and I have both been in many rooms where there's some folks in the room who are really down for the cause and really pushing and really want to see more um, move the group along in the direction of more mm -hmm. justice. And there are folks in the room who haven't, don't know the, the language, haven't looked at the analysis of what's going on around mm -hmm. 
race, around gender, around sexuality. And there's tension. There's conflict yeah. often. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And what I've seen you do in particular is like have this way of like widening the space, including the whole group. And it, it, it shows up for me as, y'all, we got this. No sweat. Mm-hmm. No sweat. Mm-hmm. I know you have a vision. Mm-hmm. I know you. We, we got this. You got this. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Even when the whole room is like, <laughs> you know, yeah. you can feel that kind of everyone's sort of tilting sideways, like we're going to lose our yeah, center. Yeah. Right. I'm curious to hear you say more about that. Like, what's 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 happening there? How do you? I think most people want that skill. Coaches, yeah. facilitators want that yeah. skill. What? How do you hold that? How do you think about that in groups? Yeah, you know, there's so many things happening at the same time there. Um, the first one is, rarely does our best thinking when it comes to complex problems come from, like, fight or flight state. So, you know, we both kind of have a similar training in, when it comes to coaching. And one of the really important things I learned there is just about, like, the neuroscience of stress. And how when we're stressed out, we're worried, we're concerned... You know, our body is trying to survive and take care of itself because our ancestors didn't have to deal with systemic change. They just had to deal with like lions, tigers, and bears for like the vast majority of humans' evolution. Uh, and then just like the last couple thousand years, just like boom, 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 complexity, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm like, let's just not be dysregulated because we're not going to get anywhere. Um, and also recognizing that like, 99% of the time, at least one or two or three people in the room are having a trauma response. And so let's stay regulated. It's like, here we are. Like, I believe in us. If we're regulated and we're resourced, we can figure out the best possible whatever is available in this room and in this moment. So part of it is like keeping the group regulated. And, and part of that is one person in the space, like just reminding us like, hey, we're there's no actual tiger, lion, bear, like reminding your body i'm not really even talking to you i'm talking to your body your nervous system and i'm like hey you're when i say we're fine we got this what i'm saying is like you're not gonna die like you're in your bedroom on a zoom call like you're not you know what i mean it's a future fear that that energy is coming from that's one part the second thing is that um this isn't actually a direct answer to your question but it's important to note in my experience in working in movements it's not actually usually the least um woke kind of least political analysis advanced person in the room that's like the problem so to speak um because often people who are really anti the thing they're not usually in the room like our society is so segregated that like it's really rare that, that someone who's like no actually you know i i don't believe in saving children and like i think that climate change is a hoax like those people exist for sure and I've often found that if they're in the space that I'm leading and that all the like activist people are, they're like actually trying to grant change. Like they're like kind of trying to, they're looking for leadership in a way. It's usually individuals who are um, operating primarily from trauma response and from a good hearted place, but it's like, they're kind of, um, yeah, just have a lot of healing they need to do. And I've been there, you know, and um, are trying to like, he- 
work their stuff out in activism. Um, that's often where like I found the most issue, unfortunately. And it's sometimes the, the most generous, like down for the cause giving people. But like, as soon as you like say something that triggers, like, it's like, oh yeah, like I smiled at police officer. Like, what the ball? Like you smile at a pig, like, oh, pigs must, you know, just suddenly they go into this like space, you know? So, um, a lot of the time I'm just trying to keep everybody's nervous system stable enough for us to cooperate and come to and like have the conversation like that we just need to complete let's like get somewhere together so yeah keep bring levity to move heavy things it's all heavy like the material is heavy enough it's itself we don't need to make it harder i love that quote right there bring levity to move heavy things there you go put that on your Make it a t-shirt. Yeah, make it a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there's this piece about, uh, it's like a tactical piece of like, all right, how am I mm -hmm. holding the nervous system of everyone in the room and maybe like the, almost the yeah. collective nervous system of this group gathered here today because we're regulating together, yeah. right? Yeah. And then I'm curious to hear a little bit more about the vision piece of that, at least when you've worked with me in a group setting like this before would it be accurate to say that that's like an underlying perspective you're taking on the group? Like this group cares about this, this group yeah, yeah. has a bit, like I felt that from you. I, I think maybe this was you talking about the slingshot. It's like that tension, right? It's like, okay, if someone thinks about what they want, they think about where they're at, that natural tension, like brings any human being to like, okay, what do I do? Like, I need to do, like, I want that. I don't want this help. Right. The truth is you want something. Whether you want to want it or not, you want it. The truth is, this is the way things are. Whether you want it to be that way or not, it is. So these are the two kind of things of the slingshot. And you just send it off, you know? Uh, so that's why I try to keep people on that as well. Keep them looking at what, what's the vision? What's the goal, right? Eyes on the prize. Ultimately, you know, this is something I learned from like the Taoist philosophy, right? As above, so below. The fractal nature of things like, you know, how are you going to love anybody else if you don't love yourself? If we're not being the world we want to see while working to create the world we want to see, we're going to create the wrong world. Yeah, so ultimately, some aspect of this better world is we're all more or less getting along at some... Like, we can't keep worrying. We can't keep hating each other. And we're never all going to agree, right? And this is one of the things that I see on the far left now is... This like religious evangelical, you know, everyone has to view the world the way that I view it. And it's like, it's just like, okay, now you're just preaching. You know, it's like Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And if you don't believe in that, like how, you know, that person believes that they're right. And so they're like, everyone has to, if everyone just believed in Jesus Christ, then everything would be fine. Right. And it's like, well, if everyone just believed that, you know, um, this like gender is a spectrum and that uh, racial, what do they call it? Critical race theory or like all these things that like I believe in personally, right? But I'm not going to say that everyone has to believe it because as soon as you're trying to force it on someone, they're going to reject it. Um, you know, one of the things that I really enjoyed and benefited from a lot from like my spiritual teachers is how they convert you through example, hmm. right? You're like, dang, you got some really great sauce there. It's like, what's that about? Like, oh, you know, I've been on this journey of just really, you know, uh, deconstructing masculinity and like finding 
who I really want to be. And they're like, oh, wow, you saying gender is a spectrum? Yeah, man. Like for me, at least like I didn't want to have to be stuck in that box. I wanted to be able to be fluid. And they're like, wow, maybe I want to be that. Right. And so work with the willing. And so in every single instance of the work, my mindset is this moment, this interaction needs to look the way it needs to be grounded in the values of what we're trying to create. And if we can't get there fast enough in this meeting time, then we're not ready to take the next step. Like we need, we need to stay at this step as long as it takes. Um, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Because otherwise we'll rush, we'll get, and then we'll, the problem will bite us in the ass later. Which, it still happens for me all the time. Like, you know, I learned from trial and error is how I learn. Yeah, I love that. It makes me think about the book, uh, This is an Uprising, talking about how uh, Gandhi thought about organizing, which mm. the term was prefigurative organizing, that we have to, at least a part of what we're doing has to be living the world now that we're trying to create and just like you're saying if we're if we're not right if we're doing it in a way that's burnt out completely exhausting ourselves at all costs you know for the sake of the movement uh fully combative 100 percent of the time right othering mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um where's that going to get us right we maybe yeah. we win a few policy victories but in terms of our underlying like cultural way of being with one another we are we're still very far from the world we want and i'm i'm so glad you brought the word organizing because i really view everything i do as community organizing kind of at the first and foremost and it's really hard but it's like how am i going to be out here like hey everyone we deserve better like the life doesn't have to be this way like our children deserve better the future generations deserve better so the earth deserves better so let's make a better world and i'm out here like burning out and not taking care of myself and not practicing kindness and compassion. It's like, and they need to stop othering us and they need to stop, you know, telling us we're less than and they need to like be nice to us. And I'm over here like, you know, be like, well, this person doesn't deserve human dis dignity, you know. Um, another big one is like, as an abolitionist, right? It's like, okay, if I believe that prisons are not working to reduce harm in the world, you can't be an abolitionist and not believe in redemption because some of the people who are in prison did do bad things, did do things that you would not accept, right? But there has to be some redemption possible for those folks. There has to be some kind of like, okay, you're, you have a mental illness. You're unable to, you know, you're, tr you're not able to manage your trauma, but like, what's the difference between someone who was a drug dealer in their community because that's how they thought they needed to survive and someone who was born into some like crazy wealthy family and was like abused by their parents and like had to fit into this box of like being whatever insert fancy last name here you know both of them are are kind of were sick were, grew up in a toxic environment and then are living out their trauma and so there needs to be a redemption we can't kill all of them and we can't kill all of them. Like they have to exist on the earth. So like, what are we going to do pragmatically? You know, um, we have to heal. We have to be able to heal ourselves to heal others. And it's, 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 it's harrowing, you know, it's like, oh my God, what? I have to heal the sickest people on earth. Like, what am I going to do? You know, but um, the, the ingredients are simple. It's community. It's music. It's coming together. It's all of our indigenous wisdom and practices. It's, you know, good food and rest and, and care and, and, and a little bit of love. 
And I'll say one last thing here is just, I came to the United States after spending my early teens in uh, Dubai in the Middle East. And uh, yeah, I grew up in a very anti-Semitic, homophobic, it was illegal to be Jewish in that country. It was illegal to be gay in that country. Um, and though like it wasn't, it's not like, you know, the most sexist back. It's not, it's not like Saudi Arabia level of women can't drive it or anything like that, but, um, definitely like very, very old school gender norms. Um, so I come to the United States and I'm, I'm, I'm like super homophobic and sexist and anti-Semitic. Like I just didn't know any Jewish people. I didn't know any gay people. I had all these friends who are from Lebanon and Palestine. And the only thing I know about Jewish people basically is like that Israel is bombing their families and killing their, their cousins, you know? My, I'm like, oh, my friend's grandma was dropped. They dropped a bomb on her. Like that's, and they're like, yeah, that's what Jewish people do, right? That's how I grew up. Um, and it was coming back here, my cousins, you know, loving me out of it, you know. Uh, and then I was, I was in a beautiful relationship with a, a Jewish woman. She was like Sephardic and Ashkenazi, like mixed, and um, loving her, you know, helped me heal the anti-Semitism and having friends, you know, I had all, all these Jewish friends that are just like, yo, you're my homie. You know, actually my, my cousin, who's like my sister, she married a Jewish guy. Right. And like, it was a whole, my whole family had a whole healing around it. Right. And his as well. So yeah, love is really the only thing that can heal the hate. Like they tried, you know, you know, drilling it out of me, like this is wrong. And you don't know, but that, that never, I was just defensive, like, that I just got better at defending my beliefs. So sorry, y'all. I think I think love is the only way. <laughs> if you find another way, if anyone, you know, finds a better, more effective way than love to heal backwards thinking, just send me a message and let's talk. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I appreciate the vulnerability there. You know, I think that's one of the things I've also learned from you is the way in which we can use our own like, where have I not been at my best? Let me like mm -hmm. bring my full humanity forward. I do that in my coaching whenever I can. Um, as an example of we're not trying to win the woke game. Yeah. Right. And I'm not trying to hide these things that I used to believe. Mm -hmm. Right. Because now mm -hmm. in the moment you say that someone has an invitation to say, okay, right. My, uh, the guy who's helping me learn about justice is all oh, right. He's gone on a journey too. Okay. Right. Oh, I wonder if there's, I wonder if there's more for me to learn here. Right. Mm -hmm. There's an opening in that moment. Yeah. It's, it's okay to admit that we're not perfect, that we're human. That's kind of the goal there is like demonstrating that and perfectionism is a trait of white supremacy, right? That's, That's right. like this society telling us that you have to be perfect. Um, puritanism right was kind of rooted in that and like that's not against puritans as a religious group but like um there's this aspect of any imperfection means that you're damned that i think really got into our society and it's it's so in our movements right yeah um oh my friend has this one belief that's different than me that i have to cancel them out of my life because that now they're going to infect me right um with their sin yeah. 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 Well, that exact theme, I know that shows up for me personally too. Uh, makes me think about belonging. Mm -hmm. Like 
I know uh, I worked with a coach recently and had this big insight around belonging that was seeing how I'd been caught in the, I'm a cis white dude. I've got some projects I want to do related to social change work and I do not want to fuck it up because if I fuck it up, I'm going to get canceled. And so I'm sitting there finding myself holding back and holding back and holding back and not bringing what I've got to bring forward. And the, the coach I was working with, she said just one super simple thing. She said, yeah, it sounds like you're really wanting to like protect and take care of your belonging in these spaces. And I immediately started crying Mm. and was just like, Oh God, no one's ever put it that way before. Mm. Like belonging has been this conceptual thing. We talk about belong othering and belonging, you know, at the moment it was like, Oh, right. Yeah. My like, I feel like my belonging is at risk Mm -hmm. in that moment, whether or not it's true, but that's how it feels. Thank you for sharing this story. Yeah, it's really, it's beautiful. And so, yeah, it makes me curious. I know a lot of what you do, all the work you do kind of comes back to belonging in, in one way or another, at least that's a big theme. Um, yeah, curious what you, how you think about that. Is there like a, a way that you ground belonging and something like what that actually means outside of like a big concept mm-hmm. or how you approach maybe creating belonging, fostering belonging? Mm-hmm. Again, it's kind of coming back to like evolutionary psychology a little bit. Like if you didn't belong in the tribe, you probably weren't going to survive. That's right. You know, there's no, there's no surviving in this world in isolation. Even if all you do is eat other things, you need other things. Like there's no living creature that lives in true isolation. So it makes sense why we are so tribal, you know, and so like so afraid of challenging our group so i I view belonging primarily as we're able to like be ourselves without needing to pretend wear a mask you can just be yourself authentically Hmm. and um and and kind of discover what that is because we don't actually rarely do we fully know what that is and it's always changing but um the energy that you spend pretending to be someone you're not you can spend on discovering who you actually are um, belonging is also about having a place in the picture, in the, in the project, in the group. Like, um, whenever I talk about inclusion, I talk, I break it down into belonging and purpose mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I give this example a lot when I'm working with students, like, um, I do a lot of university commencement speeches and stuff like that. And, um, it's like, if you go to a party and you don't know anyone, you feel super awkward, you don't belong, right? And then someone's like, hey, can you help me like make this salad, right? Then you're like, okay, I have something to do. And you're not talking to that person about salad. And like, suddenly, you know, you have a purpose, you have a role. And that actually is like the fastest way. Like whenever I'm having an event and people come early and they don't know anyone and I see them being awkward, hey, can you come help me wrap these cables? Like, oh, can you actually like, I just start giving them things to do and you just see them like brighten up, you know, and it's like, a job like something to do a purpose like meaning like reason to be here so how can we create so much belonging such rich belonging that there's room to challenge each other without fearing that we're going to be kicked out of the group like that's i think the best relationships i have where it's like our relationship is too strong for the truth to challenge it 
So the truth is not unsafe. Yeah. And that takes intentional investment in relationship, yeah. in in belonging, in purpose. Yeah. Each person having, you know, their connection to purpose, to yeah. why they yeah. matter within the group. Yeah. Um, sometimes that happens very organically. I know that's why I'm yeah. so invested in movement work is because the people I organized with, led trainings with, did... Um, mm-hmm movement work with were some of the people I felt the most mattering and the most relationship yeah. with. I actually think that a, a lot of the people that reason that people keep going back to social activism work, even though it's burning them out, is because of all the belonging they experience there, right? It's like, we're right. all a part of this thing that's bigger than us. And um, I think that honestly, like I love protesting as much as anyone, right? Like I enjoy the feeling of it, but you know, a lot like, Sometimes it's really good, but largely it's it's a galvanizing the movement. It's like it's for us to be together and feel like I'm not alone and see, because yeah. especially now the media just portrays what's happening. You know, they're going whatever channel it's on is going to tell the story in a completely different way. And yeah, I'm curious to add in tactical suggestions that coaches could use yeah. if we were to get practical about some of this. I'm thinking, you know, maybe there's a few that you want to add in here, but I'm thinking in particular, I've heard you talk about um, energetic cleansing when you're dealing with really heavy topics like this. Like what can Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the coach or facilitator or practitioner do to like kind of manage their own energetic space while they're working with traumas that are in the room, even Mm -hmm. if you're not a trauma healing practitioner, there's traumas up um, while you're dealing with heavy topics. Um, Curious, yeah, what you would say about the energetic cleansing and if there's any other tactical like what can people actually do to bring these justice principles into their coaching the first thing that comes to mind is um, developing a relationship with your own spirituality and particularly ancestors because look spirituality just means um, that which is not material anything that exists beyond the material is spiritual literally right so it doesn't need to be a religion it doesn't need to be like it's not a white dude in the sky. It's not what I'm talking about. You know, um, it's like the, the the deep why, the deep, deep why, you know, and, and the mystery and the questions and the unknown. And um, so there's spirituality as far as like what you believe in the faith and like that's good and helpful in a lot of ways. But then there's spirituality as like the practices. So whether that's meditation or dancing or singing or music or whatever it is that helps you connect and stay in that juicy space. Um, so among the reason I, I say like connecting with your ancestors too, is because ultimately like we're dealing with a multi-generational challenge. It's like rooted in ancestral trauma and ancestral mistakes and ancestral, ancestral conflicts. And it's the people who are going to benefit from us are like, we're going to be their ancestors. It's like descendants seven generations from now and, and, and more. So, relating in that sense of lineage and from there exploring what are the practices that my ancestors used to take care of themselves energetically so finding the lineages that you feel connection with and being in right relationship with them is key because you know these plants that we use for energetic clearing for example right like i talk a lot about um clearing but also shielding. I learned this from one of my teachers, April King. So you want to like cleanse the gunk out, 
but you also want to think about what are the things that give you a sense of shielding and protection so that you can enter into spaces. And I say shield, not armor, because armor, it's like a shield you can easily put up and down. Armor, it's like you're wearing it and like you're now, you're not sensitive anymore. You, you can't, and you hug someone, you hurt them. It's very heavy. So um, really thinking of it as shielding rather than ar armoring. And um, for me, you know, every morning I, I use frankincense and myrrh because those are plants that my ancestors used. Um, it's also anyone who's Catholic, anyone's from East Africa, um, a lot of other parts of Africa, those are very common. Um, some people use rosemary as a shielder, as a protector. I use sandalwood because that's what my ancestors used. Um, you know, a lot of people say that white sage is something not to use too much because it's kind of been over harvested. But, they're, you know, sweet grass, you know, if you're of European heritage. But the point here is just um, you're doing it's like hygiene. It's like personal hygiene, right? Like if I don't brush my teeth and I go and kiss somebody, I'm exposing them to like all kinds of bacteria and germs. Right. So if, if I'm a coach and I don't clear my energy and I come in and bring people into my energy or I'm a leader, I'm now exposing them to things. And in the process of doing that, you develop a sense of self-attunement where you're just so much more aware of your own energy field, what's in your energy, what, you know, and it helps you take care of yourself better. So that's one tactical thing. Yeah, the other thing that comes to mind is, like, if I had to, like, assign a task to all the coaches in the movement, I would say, one, help people find their niche. Like, if every single person found where they're and this is i call this the purpose place compass if people want to text me or email me for the tool but what are my values what are the experiences and challenges that have shaped me what are my natural born gifts and 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 strengths and then what are the causes or issues in the world that really light me up for better and for worse right and the intersection of those things what you value what you just can't stand, what you, you know, what you experienced growing up. This includes your race, your identity, your intersections, and then your your skills, your natural gifts and, and privileges. Maybe it's things you were you've inherited, a language, wealth, a certain knowledge of how things work, a degree. That intersection, right? If we could help everyone find their niche. The second is if we could help people not burn out while they do what they do. And third, if we can help them find the balance between like enjoying life and the material comforts and safety and then also being of service. Um, I feel like there's a lot of promise in that area that, um, yeah, a lot of us as coaches could explore. What's my way of helping people find that? Yeah, I love that a lot. And um, I think you're speaking to part of why this podcast and this intersection of coaching and social change personal transformation and systemic transformation has so much juice for me is because I agree. <laughs> like there's so like, if we can all find our place within service, if we can all find our place in service to causes we care about. There's, uh, it's just so much more energy that is available, right? If we can show up fully to the things we care about in a way that does not burn us out, and right, we're showing up out of like deep care instead of out of obligation. Yeah. Then there's yeah. like a, a richness that shows up there because it's like, right, I'm fully in this. I'm yeah. uh, fully alive. I'm bringing um, all of my like best qualities forward more right. often than not. And uh, 
right? It's like the net pool of energy that is then there being put towards transforming the world yeah. is like full and rich and available. Right. Yeah. And, and, and we enjoy it and we keep going, right? It's like, that's yeah. the other thing is like, that's you right. got it. You, you're going to be in this for decades. Yeah. Decades. Right. Like right. you gotta, right. you gotta be sustainable. Like, right. Right. You know, there's so many people I know, you know, in my family who are like such activists as young people. And they're like, now they're just like, I just got to get my family to survive. And it's because like, yeah, it, they were never supported to find a way to keep going. You know, it's like either or either I'm in or I'm out, you know. And I think there's many ways to do that. And coaching has this obvious wealth of tools and techniques and practice <laughs> around how do we help people find purpose? Mm-hmm. How do we help people do it in a sustainable way and not burn out? Right. Yeah. How do we, um, you know, get help them be in relationship, use their support networks? Yeah. Well, um, as we draw to a close here, the name of the podcast is Wider Roots, and that's mm-hmm. a nod toward redwood trees and the way they interconnect. Yeah, I knew it. I was like, you are a redwood tree type of guy, man. Like you're just the redwood tree guy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a nod towards nourishment. It's a nod towards interconnectedness. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'd love to hear what's been nourishing you. Like, are there sources of nourishment? Maybe it's a book, maybe it's a mm. poem, maybe it's, um, music, um, that's been like your source of nourishment lately that you might want to recommend to folks oh i got you right now three stacks andre 3000 just dropped an album of like healing flute music fire fire (laughs) so good like i just been having on repeat um so that's one i have a practice of digital detox and just not being plugged in as much you know it's a form of nurse it's like being bored i like try to force myself to be bored like an hour a day every week oh there's a podcast called the emerald that's really been lighting me up recently um and i really love the perspectives that uh he brings like the mythic and um khalil gibran's uh the prophet oh so good yeah yeah i love the emerald i've only listened to a few episodes of it but it's uh it's this mix of yeah it's mm-hmm. like red in this poetic like it's almost like i'm in a trance while listening to the podcast and there's music it's like a spell yeah it's yeah. Just like a... yeah 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 it's very cool it's different than anything else i've encountered and you know one last thing i'll just say too is yeah. like if people want to check out my music check it out i was out just Nazi gonna that's the next question i'm a pro myself you don't even gotta go yeah. man. where can they find me <laughs> uh, yeah where can uh, folks connect with you uh for the jedi stuff and then also would love to hear about the music too where can what's happening yeah. on the music front where can folks find you there yeah mazinjamal.com um so find you know slash music but you, you can go and try tra- tra- travel to the music page i dj i do live music i do a lot of very interactive performance so um i uh, minister weddings to license efficient <laughs> so happy to, to help you with those things. You know, I'll, I'll DJ, I'll minister your wedding. I'll help you and your uh, partner through like, I'll coach y'all through like, you know, what are, what's our vision for our partnership? I've been doing that for people. It's just so fun. Around Jedi stuff, hostkindergarten.org. And then there's a button called consulting. And that's like the little consulting part. Yeah. If you have a, a project where it is, um, you know, a social good project, it's around movement work. It's around healing, social change, community building, uh, health equity. Uh, we have a fiscal sponsor that is um, buy and for, uh, you know, change makers, BIPOC led, BIPOC centered, but um, allies welcome as well. 
So that's the place where we do it very differently than anyone else. It's like we basically will handle all the money stuff for you. We handle all the, you know, compliance. You don't need to have your own nonprofit. We actually provide coaching and training and all these other things for people as well. Um, and yeah, you can find it all over there. Oh, one last thing is uh, I do throw events. So if you check out embracecommunity.co, you can also check out, um, this is like a BIPOC-centered community around spiritual innovation. So people who want to check that out, they're welcome to take a peep. And most of the in-person stuff is uh, in the Bay Area? Oakland, California. Yeah, yeah that's right. Oaktown. Yeah. Mazen. Jeremy. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for being yeah, here. Man. This has been such an energizing conversation for me. So... So grateful for you. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to yeah, take the day on. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> let's go heal the world. <laughs> Make it a better place for you and for me and the entire human race. There are people dying, caring enough for the living. Make a better place for you and for me. All right, that's all. That's right. That's anytime. the way to end this podcast. I get you some, <laughs> some MJ anytime, anytime Just on cue. Uh, <laughs> I love you so much. So grateful for you. Love Glad you you're in my life. Thanks for being here. And uh, rock on. Rock on, brother. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. Check out the show notes for links to the resources that Mazin mentioned and other ways that you can connect with him. Episode three comes out in two weeks with anti-racist facilitator and somatic coach Dara Silverman. It feels so special when we get to be with other coaches who are politicized. Of like, oh, I get to actually like be in these questions about like what are the contradictions that I'm feeling in this moment working with friends who don't share my politics. What does it mean to like be with a white person when they say something racist in a section? So make sure you subscribe in your podcast app of choice so that you can catch that episode and all the future ones. And if you'd like to tap into the resources I've collected at this intersection of personal and systemic transformation, you can head over to widerroots.com to sign up for the newsletter. If you have any ideas for topics you'd like us to cover on the show, you can email me at podcast at widerroots.com. And you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Wider Roots Pod. Thanks to Wild Choir for the theme music for this show. You're currently listening to their song, Remember Me, which will play us out. And a fun little piece of trivia is that Mazin was actually in Wild Choir for a long time. So enjoy this track. See you next time. Remember me to the earth, mama. Remember